0: And now, here is our message.
1: Good morning, Thrive. Welcome. All right. Well, again, just to plug and push, next week is our five-year anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. So really, and I'm going to say this again, I know Rickard said it, but if you want to get baptized, you got to tell me today. I need to know. And if you're like, well, I don't know. Have you come to Christ? Do you believe he's your Savior? Yeah? Okay, then you got to get baptized. (laughs) That's it. It's not more complicated than that. There's no class. There's no, um, are you really saved test? It's just, have you come to Jesus and do you know him? Um, And then it's the public proclamation of faith. It's saying, my old life is gone and dead and I am alive in Christ. So if you want to get baptized next week, please tell me right away uh, today. Not let me get through the message, but then after, then tell me, please. Um, and and uh, if you're like, well, I'm still waiting for, stop, stop, you know. And uh, there's no, there's no weird stuff involved. There's no goats or anything. It's just you getting baptized, submerged. And and the reason we don't do that as infants is because we don't see that in the Bible. What we see in the Bible and the New Testament over and over is adults did that. Um, or just people of age. I mean, it can be a child as long as they are aware that I have given my life to Jesus and I'm following in with my life now. So um, if your child's of age and they're they're ready to say, I give my life, but if your child's two, they're not, and I don't feel comfortable dunking them in water, (laughs) okay? Um, But if your child's nine and they're like, hey, I'm walking with Jesus now, man, let's do it. Let, Let us know. So Uh, We're going to be baptizing right here, right in the middle of service, so it's going to be awesome. So please tell us, okay? All right, we are continuing our our series, God of the City. Uh, Last week we talked uh, about the power of God being on our church and how crucial that is. If you didn't uh, catch it, I think it was a pretty good message. Go back and listen to it on our podcast or on Facebook This week, I want to talk about that, but um, I want to talk about power in a different way. Uh, What we want to talk about is the power to uh, possess the land, Uh, to take possession of the city, the south suburbs, um, and and beyond, to take possession in our own walk and in our own life. And and this can get weird, uh, but... um, we're, we're we're not a weird church, so it's cool. Relax, all right. What does that mean? There's no there's no uh, there's no arms involved in this. There's no there's no weapons. Okay, except spiritual weapons. Uh, this isn't about flesh and blood. This is about things in the spiritual realm. Okay, um, but to take possession of something, what does that mean? Well, um, so I was trying to think of an example. And one of the examples I thought of the, the thing about the thing about taking possession of things in the spirit is as as one Bible college professor taught, freedom is an ever present issue. Freedom is always something you have to maintain you, you have to you have to keep the balance of. Right now, exactly. We, we are in debates. I know I've gotten a lot of calls over people with uh, vaccines or not to keep their job. And, and that's really, we'll counsel with you. We'll talk with you. We'll pray with you. And that is your best judgment to make. Uh, I know some people are like, well, I'm, I'm going to get it. Other people aren't. Um, what, I, what I land on is the side of freedom. Uh, because I believe God is a God of freedom, as Galatians 5 says. You have the freedom to make that decision. I believe in that. Um, so, that being said, corporations and stuff, I can't really speak to that. Same thing's true everywhere else in the world, right? We, we've recently, in the last couple of weeks, seen a very tragic situation un, unfold in Afghanistan, right? We, uh, and, and I'm not sure the reasoning, I'm not speaking to our, uh, to our current administration, what I'm saying is what's happened there in the last couple of weeks is extremely tragic. And we have that from first-hand reports, I'm not talking about what the government says or doesn't say, who they are or who shouldn't be there. I'm just talking about what's happened in the last couple weeks in Afghanistan is extremely tragic. We took possession, so to speak. We had an occupation of that land. We were not necessarily in control, but we helped, we brought a level of peace to that nation for a season. Not, not for the last 20 years. It's grown, right, over time. And then, and then as soon as really a more balanced, level-headed, democratic, freedom-based society leaves, what happens? It falls apart instantly, literally instantaneously. When we occupy spaces as Christ followers and step into them, we bring a level of light into darkness that people don't see or recognize. But when we exit the situation, the darkness takes over. And we're called to possess things like that. We think... If we possess the land in Christ, everything's just going to go awesome. everything is going to right, and then we'll be all set. And every, you know, and then everything will go away. You know, the government will be all be Christians, and the teachers will all be Christians, and and bars will close down. And that, like, nah. I mean, that, I'm not saying that doesn't God has never done that in history. He has. There are moments of revivals where crazy things like that happen, crazy awesome. But but as a rule, that's not what happens. God has sent us out to possess. Some Things in the spirit, but that implies a level of warfare, and it also implies once we get there to maintain a level of spiritual health going forward. How many people do you know who've walked with Jesus and then at some point walked away? Anybody? Right. At some point, they stopped possessing the land of their soul and the and the and their Jerusalem that God wanted them to occupy. Spiritually speaking, they did. They left it, right? The, how many people have known somebody who, who left their marriage? They seemed like they had a great marriage, healthy, godly, they were doing awesome, and then they weren't. They left. And they just, they just left, right? We've known those people. And, and, and they left the land that God called them to occupy and possess. And we can go down the line, right? Just, just pick an area. We knew Christians in certain jobs, and when they left, you saw, you saw the hole that they left. Right? We're meant to occupy certain spaces, spiritually speaking. And I'm not talking about when we fail, I'm talking about when we vacate. There is a difference, okay? And this is, this is kind of a serious topic, it's also kind of an awesome topic. We are called to possess the land, spiritually speaking, of where we're meant to be. I think there's something spiritual, and I I don't mean to over-spiritualize, but I'm about to, um, uh, something like, we are a church that, um, for five years, we have not had a location. But for five years, we've been in schools, we've been in banquet halls, we've been in other places, and now, and now we're in City Hall for for another month, and then we've got to find another home, uh, and God will provide. But what does that tell us? God is giving. God isn't, we're not, a, we're not the, the gypsy church that is a nomad trying to just figure out a place to go, you know. Uh, we are, there's a reason God is leading us this way. And I think in those places, as we talked about last week in our annual meeting, he's giving us spaces to take possession. Everywhere we've gone, we've seen somebody come to Christ, new people come into the church. That's not an accident. It's not coincidental. It's God's plan. It's on purpose. There's a lot of people who've come to Thrive that would just never go to church because we aren't in a church building. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. There's people who came to our church for a season when we were in in schools because they're like, oh, they meet in a school? Yeah, I'll go. Which is weird, right? Because at the end of the day, it's all just brick and mortar. If I throw the name church on it or if I throw the name school, it's not different. God isn't somehow more in the space because I put the name church on it. It's still just brick and mortar and drywall. Like most of the guys who build both buildings are neither one are saved, right? Yeah, you uh, trades guys in the room, you know who you are. Anybody here ever work at the trade site where everybody's just a believer? Yeah, no, right? You are light in the darkness. A lot of times, there you're like, the the conversation is rough. And those guys build churches and schools, and that's okay, right? Because one isn't what makes it awesome, holy, and possession of the land is God's people moving into it, and God's people moving with God. So this verse is given to Joshua, um, De- De- Deuteronomy one twenty one. I believe this is to Joshua. Uh, look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Another version says, go and possess the land. Take possession. So this is the people of the first covenant, okay? Okay. There's two covenants. There's an Old Covenant and a New Covenant. Or some people call it Old Testament New Testament. If you have a Bible, there's that page in there. If you have a physical Bible, not just the Bible app. And the Old Covenant was God being the God of the people of Israel, then following him, and, and they would sacrifice animals to then atone for their sin. But he would lead them, he would give them access, and he would lead them into the promised land. This is, them, this is God leading them out of Egypt and to then go take possession of Israel after 400 years of slavery. So this is that moment. What I would argue, and, and I think this is very true, spiritually God meant us to do the same. This is why there are such a thing as missionaries. That's in the New Testament. But God didn't want them to go to physical war, don't take up swords, don't try and legislate your way into, so don't lawyer your way, legislate your way, or war your way into taking control of nations, but go win hearts and souls for the kingdom of God. That's the war now, that's the thing we take possession of, and if you win hearts and souls eventually, if you were effective enough, we win cities, we win regions, that's what happened. So as much as there are whole arguments made, um, uh, so I, I th- was it Constantine, right? Am I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Reichert, am I right on this? So was it Constantine who said we're going to make this law? Was that him? So, so basically what happened is after enough time in, in Rome and around the world and the, and, and the world powers, enough people became Christians that they said, you know, we're going to dump the old religion and we're going to make Christianity law. And then we could, they could meet in public spaces and worship and not, you know, get killed, which is nice. Not be eaten by lions, also a positive, right? These were all good things that the church was like, this is good news. Now, a lot of people say, well, that was the downfall of the church because then. And I would argue, like, really, really think that was out of God's sovereign hand? I'm sure there were Christians who were like, this is awesome. <laughs> Instead of Christians like, you know what? I really preferred the Colosseum, just being thrown in there and like, good luck. And and I got to tell you, nobody won. No Christian won in the Colosseum. No Christian was like, all right, he beat the lion, over, let him go. Like, that didn't happen. So, and that being said, does the church thrive under persecution? For sure it does. God uses it. Because God uses everything. Right? but I would rather be able to preach the gospel freely than preach it from prison. Either way, it doesn't matter. Let's preach it, but I'd rather do it in freedom. And, and so we see throughout the narrative history, wherever we see uh, the expansion of Christianity, eventually you see expansion of nations, and, and there, are, there are horrible parts of that, and there are huge mistakes of that, things like the Crusades, Spanish Inquisition and other, that were tragic marks and, and, and black marks on the history of the church. No doubt about it. But as a whole, while those things are true, and we, a lot of people, especially atheists, points to those moments as, that's why the church and religion is evil. But you're also ignoring 2,000 years of all the other history of the church. Where they are the first to establish hospitals in almost every nation across the planet. Where they're the first almost ever to adopt children, people nobody wanted, that nobody wanted. Or establish orphanages. Or offer food to the sick. Or go to the leper. Or say to the widow and the orphan, we got you, when when the rest of society said we don't want you. To offer even leadership to women, when the rest of the world said they're property. It was men of God who said slavery is evil and wrong. These are moments where God had taken possession of their hearts and they would step out in, in the supernatural against the natural and took possession of the land. Does that mean everybody did it right? No. But this, this is mom- these are moments and this is what we're meant to do spiritually. We are meant to confront Darkness. And it's not people. Sometimes it comes out of people. A lot of times, but but it's that's not what we're up against. We're not up against Republicans or Democrats or the five independents in the country, right? We're not we're not up against we're not up against that. We're not up against uh, we're not up against Planned Parenthood. No, we're up against darkness. And we're not up against vaccines or no vaccines, or masks or no masks. We're up against darkness. Anything that stands against Christ and his kingdom and the advancement of it. And all of those things can be manipulated against it. All of them. Right now, okay, we, the, the, right now I would argue, okay, to, for I, I believe, now this is my personal opinion, you can put this on the shelf. I believe there's something inherently, um, in, inherently evil and wrong with the idea that you must inject a certain thing into your body and be mandated to do so in order to function in society by order of the government. That is disturbing to me. However, there, you can flip it the other way. You could say... You could say, what if we lived in a society that says, you are not allowed to inject anything into your system ever for the sake of fill in the blank. Both are wrong. Both are tyranny. And I believe both are anti-Christ kingdom. Are you allowed to put something on your face or not? You can argue any which way. Christ-centeredness is not picking a side. Christ-centeredness is siding with Jesus. And what does he say? And this is a moment to take possession of the land and hear the heart of God. What is his idea of taking possession of the land? That's, that's, that's a tough call right now. And you are going to have to figure that out everywhere you go. But let's, let's start. What, uh, some of you are like, well, I don't know if I see this in the Bible. Let's take a look. Just comparisons of what God asked us to do in the Old Testament and what does that mean in the New Israel was in Egyptian bondage. We are in bondage to sin. They were too, but God was working within their system. Jesus sets us free from the bondage of sin. Israel had a deliverer, Moses. We have the deliverer, Jesus, which is way better. Okay. Israel uh, was, was, was cleansed of their sin by the blood of an annual lamb that they sacrificed. We are cleansed by the blood of Jesus, who was the lamb of God. Not the band, Jesus. Okay, okay, through the metal people got me. Okay, through the water, th- the Red Sea, okay? Through the water. Um, uh, uh, so God parts the Red Sea and, and they go through it. Jesus sets us through through the, uh, through the example of, uh, of raising our lives again, and baptism is that example. Was the Red Sea parting their deliverance? No, God was their deliverance. The Red Sea is the thing he used. Does baptism set you free? No. It's a a representation of what Jesus did for you. Okay, and then finally, by covenants and commands, that's what set them apart. They had rules and standards nobody had. We, Jesus, fulfilled all the commands and gave us a new covenant. So do we live by the Ten Commandments? Short answer, yes. Long answer, no. We're set free from that because we, nobody can live it perfectly, but when Jesus comes into our life, we get to live it better and more perfectly. So, so this is what God has called us to do everywhere we go. To first here, and then everywhere else. To walk in a level of possessing the land. To take territory. How many of you, don't raise your hands, just think about it. How many of you feel like I've taken possession of some things in my life through Christ's power? God got a hold of me, and then he empowered me through the power of the Spirit to get a hold of some other things. And it's nothing we take glory for, it's nothing like, I did this. No, no, Jesus did this, and I walked out in his power. You are meant to do that. We have been a submissive weakened church a little too long now, and not a church that finds itself on TV every day, blasting the world on our posts, et cetera. I had somebody recently say to me, "Who's was a friend who leans left, well, you make your position pretty clear, and I, I remember thinking to myself, How? I don't really post about this stuff. I've had private conversations with you about my viewpoint. And then I think, you know, what's interesting is that person, not me, that person believes the narrative that if you have XYZ viewpoint, therefore you belong in this camp. But taking possession of the land means at times we we are, the Bible says we're salt and light. Well, sometimes we're light. That, that is something people don't want to see if you want darkness. But salt, what does salt do? It, it, it preserves, but it also heals and agitates. At times, people love Christians, right? At times, when we're saying, let's care for the refugee, one side of the aisle is like, yes, Christians. And then we're like, let's save the unborn. They're like, boo, Christians are the worst. <laughs> but that's what salt does. We don't belong to a political party. We belong to a kingdom. And we take possession of, 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 of things in the spirit, and, and eventually that, fl- that comes out in the natural. I, I am personally, I celebrate the law that was just passed in Texas of an abortion ban after six weeks. Yes. Why? That I believe is something in the spirit, one. And and for those who would say, no, I don't. First, if you've had an abortion, you were loved here. Nobody condemns you. Nobody's mad at you. Nobody shames you. You've been told something for many years, and you've been told to believe it. But we believe God cares for the unborn as well as the born. We also don't believe in euthanasia. We believe that's taking God's sovereignty back into our own hands. We don't do it. That's a, that's a moment to celebrate. Now, do, so, so is God on the side of the Republicans in Texas? No. God's on the side of humanity. God's on the side of the poor and the broken and the widow and the orphan. And the truth is, Democrats are usually better at taking care of them than Republicans, which stinks. But at the same time, I'm really not interested in which side chooses whatever. Let's become kingdom people who are possessing things for the sake of the kingdom and not advancing a party. So our job is to now engage the battle. It's not us to, up to us to win, but it is up to engage and possess. Possess. The battle belongs to the Lord, but we are in it. Anybody here ever heard that phrase, the battle belongs to the Lord? It's from the Bible. But in that moment, here's the thing. That word was given to somebody for a king as Israel's about to go to war. So you know what Christians do? The battle belongs to the Lord. So take a seat. No, they were given that word, and then they're like, battle belongs to the Lord. Everybody get your sword. We are in a battle. And modern day Christians of the last 20 to 30 years don't want to believe that because we don't want to be called extremists or, or, or supremacists or some other is that you want to... We don't want to be called that, so we just stop engaging in a battle. But we're in one. We're in the midst of heaven versus hell. Now, heaven wins. We know it. Jesus wins. Jesus already won. He's gonna win again. That's all he ever does is win. Right, but we're in the in-between. And there are certain things God wants us to take possession of in our own lives. If we want to take this city and this region, for Christ's sake, here's where it starts. There's a list, and it starts right here. It starts first with us and our mind and our will and our emotions. Some of you are like, what should I do about the vaccine? I, don't, I, can't, I can give you counsel, but I cannot tell you what to do. You have to go before the Lord, and you have to hear from him what is God's will for you. If somebody's telling you, you absolutely take it, or you absolutely don't, I would tell you, please, please don't take that as from the Lord. You need to lean into the Holy Spirit and hear what he says for your life in this moment. I don't know for each and every situation. Some of you take it, you have total peace, good on you great. Some of you haven't. You have total peace. Good on you. Walk that out. But there's going to be a lot more things in these days than just a vaccine to answer these questions to. This is a great moment to tune your ear closer to the station of the Holy Spirit. And it starts with, I hear you. I'm hearing your word. What does your word say? Where are you leading me? Where are you taking me? What do you want me to do? What don't you want me to do? Open doors you're supposed to open. Closed doors I'm not supposed to go in. This is the beginning of taking possession of the spiritual land that God has given in your life. And what you first have before you're like, I have my spouse. I have my kids. I have this. I have that. The thing, God took us. uh, You can't take possession of your own spirit. That's Jesus' territory. You can't take possession of your own heart. That's Jesus' territory. You invited him in to save you in those things that you could never save. But from there, you take possession with his power of your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's kind of like this. If you are dying of a heart attack, you cannot save you by going and working out in that moment. No, that will just speed up the process. (laughs) Okay? But, so you need a heart surgeon you need Jesus to come in, fix your heart. But then after, you know what they do? They're not like, great, let's go to Krispy Kreme. And let's sit for seven hours. No, they move you into becoming healthier. That is you now taking possession. You couldn't fix what you couldn't fix, the thing that was going to kill you. But the thing to prevent it from getting back there, you take possession of. You start walking, making healthier choices, living a better life. Same thing is true in Jesus. He fixed what nobody could fix. He saved us. He redeemed us. But from there, he's like, but now we got to walk some stuff out and take some possession. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. You stop thinking like you used to think. You stop choosing the things you used to just, well, I want this. Romans 7 and 8 are great conversations on the will and the emotions, emotions, Let's, just your mind. First, let me tell you something about your mind. You are not in full control of it all the time, but the Lord wants you to begin to take possession of it, thought by thought by thought. The mind is probably the, mum, the number one battlefield of the enemy in your life, of the devil, is your mind. He can put thoughts in your head and make them think that you, they are your own and then torment you with them. Whether it's by ways of condemnation, discouragement, uh, obsession, whatever. I faced that battle for several years. I'll talk about it for just a second. I won't go into all the details, but I basically battled OCD in my mind. I didn't wash my hands over and over, probably would have been better. Okay, I didn't, but I had thoughts that would enter into my head and it would cripple me. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then it would take physical tolls on my body. And I began to learn how to take possession of some. And some, I had to learn, I don't have to take possession of it. It's just a thought. Not everything's the devil either. And you have to learn what the difference is. If you're like, maybe I just won't pay the check and I'll just leave looking around. Like, that might not be the devil. That might be just you being stupid in that moment. <laughs> Anybody here ever had a moment like that, driving down the road, and you're just like, I wonder what would happen if I just did this right now. <laughs> right? It's called an intrusive thought. Everybody has them. I had them a lot, and they began to struggle with my whole life and mess with my head. Because most of the time, we can't do what we just did, laugh at that and let it go. But I was struggling with this OCD and anxiety, and I wouldn't laugh at it. It would make me crawl into the fetal position. What was happening to me? Well, I, what was happening is I was struggling with trauma from a year ago, from when we lost our son. And I was figuring out how to walk this out. And I began to realize, some, was, was the devil coming against me? sure. But most of that was my mind creating thoughts over and over that would would definitely upset me. And eventually I had to learn, this is a shadow passing. It's there, but it's not real. It's not me. It's not who I am. I didn't create it. Let it go. The thing is, when I would go to war against it in the spirit, it made it worse because I was telling my brain, react and keep sending messed up things in my head. My mind was broken for a season. Some of you, your mind is kind of broken. You constantly have negative coaching. And you aren't taking possession of it, and the Lord wants you to. Every time you look in the mirror, every time you go for a drive, every time you go on a new date, you're like, I, they're going to hate me. They're going to think I'm ugly. Uh, stop. You are talking about God's kid. And you're not taking possession of the land of your mind that says, no, I belong to the Lord. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. All his works are wonderful and that my soul knows very well. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. These are things the word says about you. Philippians, I believe it's four, right? It tells us to think on these things. Whatever's true, right, noble, pure, lovely. Think on these things. Why would the Bible instruct us on how to think unless our thinking would possibly be wrong? God knows, he understands. A lot of us have bad thinking. How many of us are just good at finding the worst, assuming the worst? And here's the thing, none of you raise your hands, but all of you somewhere think the worst. Some of you are like, not me, I'm a positive person. Let me just tell you, that is a negative response. (laughs) Because you have no humility to think there's nowhere in your life that's negative at all. Some of you are like, not me, I'm positive. There, you're in denial that you're broken anywhere. That's not helping you, it's hurting you. You're still not taking possession of the land, you're just ignoring what needs to be possessed. Your will, that's the I want. I just have to have a seven-bedroom house. I, I just want it. Stop. Why? Where's it going to take you? That's when I'm a person. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. Right? I just have to have a, a size two frame. M- men, that's a woman's size. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, says who? Who set that standard? Lies. Your emotions something i've said to my kids for years feelings emotions they're great they're great servants they're terrible masters you have to take possession of them you have to realize how the way the way you feel is not necessarily the truth well it's true that i feel it okay <laughs> it's true that i feel wind it's not true there's a tornado we have to bring god's truth into here to win any more battles. If you can't win the battlefield of the mind, you cannot win any more battles. But you can because God gave you His Spirit. Our family would be the next sphere because if you start taking possession in the spirit of your mind, your will, and your emotions, then you can start taking possession in the spirit of other things. If your family. Again, this isn't literal. Stop grabbing your spouse and being like, "I take possession." Don't do that. That's weird. Don't grab your kids and be like, "I'm going to pray for you." Okay? Okay? Ask, offer, and do, but don't do don't be weird, okay? So, I'm I'm going to lead in my family. I'm going to pray with my family. I'm going to call on God. I'm going to pray for my family. I'm going to read the word with them at times. I'm going to worship with them at times. Look, some of you think that's what my spouse should be. I know, I know some spouses who like, they rigidly had devotions and they sucked as a spouse. <laughs> that is not what makes a super godly spouse. That's a thing, that's good, but that's not the sum total. It is the sum total of your character. We as a family, I am not good at like 8 a.m. We're all going to gather, worship, and pray. And, and even if I was, have, have you? do you know a family with five kids? <laughs> okay, you know us. Okay, not, if, I, if, if I did that every day, and even on the days we do it, everybody's not like, let us learn from you, O great spiritual father. You have the words of life. Feed us and nourish our souls. My wife isn't like, he just, he floats in the Lord <laughs> among us, and I am therefore attracted to him. Like, that's just not... It's not a thing that happens. You know what it's like? It's like, shut up, I am talking about Jesus. <laughs> get back in here. <laughs> get, get out of the bathroom. <laughs> Wipe quicker. <laughs> so this is what happens, right? This is what it means. When you're taking, it's, it's not perfecting everything. It's moving towards the perfect one. My kids love Jesus, and I I am humbled and grateful for that. But it starts with just saying, we're going to spend some time. We're going to go after Jesus. We're going to make him top priority in this house. He is what comes first. When they have questions about morality and, and, and ethics, we bring Jesus into it. That's the leader, not good ideas and good counsel. Jesus. That's taking possession. Our sphere Your sphere of influence is where you work, the people you're friends and family with. Take possession, spiritually speaking. Point them to Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Draw a line that says, I won't, when all the friends are like, let's go hang at the bar for three hours. You say, I love you. No. No. You'll hang out on my terms. Because I'm taking possession. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with that. When they're going for their third beer, you're not. Because I draw a line that you need to know I walk with Jesus more than I walk with you. Whatever it is, like, oh, we're all, we're all going to go, we're all going to go, whatever, fill in the blank, you know? When the family at Thanksgiving is like, we're all going to get hammered and then argue with each other over what happened 27 <laughs> years ago. You don't. You maintain a spirit of peace. You maintain a spirit of life and hope and encouragement and correction. You take possession. And at some point or another, as you pray and model and point, some people along the way are going to say, I want to come with you. And you're going to take things back that the enemy once stole. And then eventually it can happen in your city, in our region, and our world. I'm not talking about owning and dominating and becoming a, quote, Christian nation. You know what? That doesn't even mean anything. Because God isn't interested in, he is interested in nations, but by one heart at a time. He is interested in that. He's not interested in, like, oh, the government says we're all Christian now, so I guess guess we're all Christians now. That's not a thing. We won't stand before the Father and be like, it's, it's cool, because I, uh, I lived in Boston and we were a Christian city. So <laughs> I'm sure you have a room for me, right? <laughs> That's not how it's going to go down. Well, my grandma was a really devout Catholic, so you got to let me in. No, she, Jesus doesn't. He says in His Word, you will say, Depart from me, I did not know you. You're who He's after. He wants to possess you, and then you go help possess other things. Don't, don't worry about America being a Christian nation or not. There's no winning that argument. Let it go. Yes, we were, I believe we were founded to Judeo-Christian principles, and I want to hold on to them. And I believe that's right. However, no pun intended, relax. <laughs> However, the end, the end game is not save America. The end game is save souls. I don't know if America can be saved from what it once was at this point. And I also don't know in the grand scheme of history if it's supposed to be. That's God's story to write, not mine. And if we do that, if we start taking possession from the enemy, winning souls, creating kingdom impact where we're supposed to be, we're going to face opposition. We're going to come up against a few things. We will encounter evil. Ephesians 2, let's just unpack it quick and then we're going to close. Ephesians 2 says that once you're dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, But our very nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. He unpacks a few things right here. He basically says, here's the evil that's kind of at work. And one of those things was, he says, the spirit at work in our hearts. Or another version says, the spirit of the age. You're coming up against the spirit of the age. What's the spirit of the age? Okay, you you need to know the devil is not cast into hell and stuck there. He has authority in this earth, and, and, and the, as much as God is on the move, so is the devil. He is real. Darkness is real. There's a great picture of it in, in, in Chronicles of Narnia. It, it's probably the best picture uh, that I can think of. And in that, in, that, in that story, right, the queen, the ice queen, I, I don't remember her name, but she, she basically the whole land is in winter, But there are pockets of spring coming back. And Aslan, the lion who represents Christ, is on the move. And everywhere he's on the move, it turns from ice back to life. It turns from winter back to spring. This is the picture of God on the move in our midst. This is what we're up against, the spirit of the age. You are not going to dethrone the devil. And it's not our job but you are going to come up against it. There is, the devil has some rain, but God is moving. And I would argue that now, you are now in a moment where you have to make a decision, am I going to follow Christ, or am I going to follow culture? But you can no longer do both. You just can't. Now how that individually fleshes out in your life, that I can't answer. How that end of fleshes out in your job and your choices and what you do and what you don't, that I can't answer. But you do have to choose whom you're gonna serve. He talked about rebellion. 1 Samuel 15, 23 says, Rebellion is as the spirit of witchcraft, and stubbornness is bad as worshiping idols. So because you've rejected the command of the Lord, God rejected you as king. This was given to Saul as he rejected God and began to do what he wanted to do. He consulted consulted a medium, went into witchcraft, and rebellion leads into witchcraft, which we'll talk about. But as you walk out and try and possess things in the spirit, try and win people to Jesus, try and pray and say, I'm going to pursue God with my whole life, not just parts of my life life. You're going to come up against rebellion. It might come out of your kids. It might come out of, it might come out of you. It might come out of, but that's the spirit of our time. Really, I think it's been going on. I don't know why, but there's something significant about the 1960s. There was a generation that rebelled. It was not good. As much as people, now don't get me wrong. I think a lot of great music came out of the 60s. Thank God for that. God uses all things. But, but at the same time, there was a spirit of rebellion. They, they called it the free love movement was part of it. Some of you were alive for it. Some of you saw it. You know what the free love movement meant? It meant just having sex anywhere with anyone for any reason, because love was free, man. What they didn't tell you was about HIV and gonorrhea and et cetera and the explosion of 500% more of the amount of and, and spread of STDs, 500%. They didn't tell you that part, did they? It wasn't free. Rebellion destroys. It doesn't bring life. Now, I, I, believe in, I believe in godly I believe in godly standing up to things. Martin Luther King was a man of God, and that I believed in that godly, but I wouldn't call that rebellion. I would call it a godly defiance. Rebellion says I say no because, that, because I desire to say no. Defiance says I say no because there's something greater. Do you see the difference? Some things we say no to because it 's healthy, and other things we say no to out of a spirit of rebellion that I reject and defy authority if that 's your end game, I reject the authority I, I think authority's all evil and wrong no they 're not God set up authority. We say no when it 's godly and, and and rebellion basically it just comes from pride, it comes from refusing authority it comes from If you find yourself continually not teachable, I know a few people, man, you just can't tell them anything. And it's not just me they won't listen. They don't listen to anybody. That's a spirit of rebellion. It's a dangerous spirit to have. You're in a bad place when you've gone down that road. And eventually, eventually it leads to witchcraft. Galatians 5.19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, and it goes on. Witchcraft is not simply consulting demons and consulting darkness and, and, and drawing a pentagram on the floor and, and, pull, and grabbing crystals and, and worshiping. Witchcraft is, that is witchcraft, but it's more than that witchcraft is the is the rejection of authority and then the pursuit of manipulation and control of your own life and then of others what you're doing is an enemy counterfeit of trying to possess the land of things and of people but not in Christ's name and not for their best but for yours or mine that's what witchcraft is there are people who practice witchcraft who aren't spiritual They've given themselves over to something demonic. We see a lot of it today. When you're looking at a third and fourth generation of a generation that rebelled. not Don't get me wrong. Like My dad was no hippie. <laughs> my mom was no hippie. They, they, didn't, they didn't practice the free love movement. They didn't give themselves. But there were many that gave themselves over to it, but but the worst part was many of them never grew out of it. They passed it on to their kids and their kids. We're living in the fruit and the result of that now. And what is it? Destruction? But we don't have to mourn that. We get the opportunity to take ground back from the enemy. We get to stand up and be... The, the best part about being light is the more darkness there is, the more places there are to shine. We don't have to be afraid or ashamed anymore. We're on the winning team. And you and I are meant to go to places that are dark, to go to places that are broken and say, come on. And some of you just ha- still haven't done that in your own life yet. You haven't said, Jesus come in. Change me. Take possession of this heart and teach me how to take possession of this mind and this will and this emotions. Teach me, God. Some of you want God to make you better. God isn't interested in making you better. He's interested in taking you from death to life. from making you from shattered and devastated to whole and effective. Yeah, even filled with power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are never joyful. You need to take possession of your thoughts and fill your thoughts with joy again. That God is good. If I fall apart, He won't. If I die, I go to glory. That's one of the things I had to do actually in counseling, is begin. They began to teach me, like, let's go down the rabbit trail and see what happens. And and this was with a Christian counselor. I actually don't ever recommend any form of counseling without them being a believer because they can't point you to hope in real life. But what I would say is I began to think, what happens? What happens if I completely fall apart and and, and then I die? I'm with Jesus. How bad could it possibly get? Can't get that. I'm home forever. What happens if I lose everything? Well, I know the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What happens if it all falls apart? The Bible says he holds all things together. You take your hope and you put it back where it belongs, in Jesus. Not in today, not in government. Man, I encourage you and I'm trying to do the same thing. Take a break from the news some days of the week. Take a break from social media because while it's happening, it's not who's in charge. I've read the end of the book, and as the saying goes, we win. So go take possession of the things God wants you to. Do it. Stop waiting, stop asking, stop, just go do it. You have the Holy Spirit and you're saved. And if you don't, then this is your moment.
0: Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.